Are you, you fixing to do one? <laughs> you can, you know. <laughs> All right. Appreciate that. That was, that was good. Okay, if you would, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Might be me. Okay, that's, that's all right. Um, they'll be able to hear me. That'll be fine. Okay. First Corinthians 14. I'm going to um, look at these few verses that I skipped over this morning. Of course, we'll talk about some of the surrounding verses too, but um, I'm going to try to focus in on verses um, 36 through 38. And then that'll kind of wrap up this section right here, 12 through 14. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do ask you, Lord, tonight for uh, the guidance of your Spirit here. We ask that you grant us understanding of your word. Lord, um, we hold in our hands, Lord, copies of your truth. Father, we're dependent upon you, the enabling power of your spirit to open up our minds and hearts, to receive, to comprehend, to love what you have given us in your word. So we pray, work all of those things in us. May we love Your commandments. Lord, show us how to apply these things properly. Show us how to do what we've been talking about here, how to seek the edification of the body. Lord, as we, um, as we look to You and seek to grow in our own spiritual walk and life. We pray that through it all, You are honored and glorified, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to um, start reading there in verse 36. I'll go ahead and read through 40, although we did talk a little bit about 39 and 40 this morning. Verse 36: Or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. Okay, just want to um, reemphasize what I think is Paul's main point in this whole section. In fact, in fact, it's a main theme in the whole book, and I mentioned it this morning. And that is, um, he he's confronting the the Corinthians about their idea of spirituality. So his his main theme is has to do with true spirituality, or what it means to be truly spiritual. Let's say it that way, because they are referring to themselves as the spiritual ones. You notice here. In the verses I just read, verse 38, he says, if, uh, verse 37, 
rather. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual. See, that's, that's the issue. They, they think they're spiritual because of the operation of the gifts, because of, um, you know, other, uh, well, it's all gifting, but talents, things, you know, some, some uh, had, had uh, wisdom, you know, we talked about that early on in the book, and their pursuit of worldly wisdom, um, so they saw uh, some as being more wise than others, some as being better speakers than others, some just uh, um, being esteemed because of what they had, so you see in, in, in 11, chapter 11, when they come together for the Lord's Supper, there was divisions among them because some were apparently uh, well off and others were poor. And they were divided over these things. So, um, like we said this morning, there's, there's uh, envying, strife, every evil work. And in the midst of all this, they're saying to themselves that they are spiritual because of the operations of the gifts, the manifestations of the Spirit. And, and I mentioned this morning, it seems like they're... It's ironic that this would be so, but it seems like they're putting a particular emphasis on the gift of tongues. Because Paul spends so much time with tongues and prophecy, but, but in particular tongues. Because he goes into a lot of detail here um, to show them that uh, in the assembly, um, you, you know, you may be speaking in tongues all over the place, but it's of no profit to the whole church. And that's what he wants them doing, is seeking the profit of the whole body. So it seems like they're putting um, uh, a wrong emphasis on the gift of tongues. They're misunderstanding the gift of prophecy. They're misunderstanding the, the, how the, uh, the nature and value of the gifts um, just in generally. And so now Paul has, has been setting them straight in their thinking on all this. Now, verse 36 is sarcasm. Or, what, or, or was it from you that the Word of God came... I think the NIV says, did it originate with you? That, that's the idea here. You see, what he's saying to them is, do, do you think that truth originated with you? No, he's saying there's God's truth, there, there are standards that all of the churches observe and are aware of. And basically what he's saying is you need to, um, you need to come over and line up with everybody else. In the, right, in the right idea of these things, right thinking along these lines. You're not unique. And boy, that is uh, an easy uh, way of thinking to fall into. You know, I was listening to a, a relatively young pastor um, a while back, and, you know, he's mid-30s, and he's his, his, his pastor of a megachurch over in the Dallas area. And uh, mega means big. I guess everybody knows that, but it's big. Big church, but they have three locations, and I think you know they have thousands at every location, thousands of people, and 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 they're mostly twenty-something, twenty-something, and thirty-something year olds. And he was talking about how they would um, come, different ones come to him from time to time. Hey, you know we've we've figured out how to best way to feed the poor, clothes, you know, the, the, the help the homeless or whatever, you know. Anyway. What he's saying is a lot of times they, they, they come up with these ideas, good ideas, and they, and they get all prideful thinking, we've figured out the right way to do these things. And, and you know, he tells them, look, the church has been doing this for 2,000 years. <laughs> and you're not original. You're not unique. You know, you may have, may have some good ideas, but, this, but it's not like all of a sudden, you know, the church has been dead. Now all of a sudden you popped up and saved the day. The church has been dead. Now all of a sudden here you are and you're spiritual. 
that's the way people tend to think. And, you know, we even use those, those labels, things like spirit-filled. You know, and I, I don't know how many times, uh, uh, well, we come out of a movement that, that would use that um, regularly. And, and I still run into people who you know, refer to themselves as spirit-filled, spirit-filled. Well... That's all of our hope. I mean, I hope. I, I, I would like to be. I had a guy ask me one time is a, when I was at Germantown, is your church spirit-filled? And I said, well, I certainly hope so. Um, I mean, that's what we're... <laughs> that's the goal, man. That's what we want. That's what we're striving for, right? You want to be full of the Spirit. But I think I know what his idea of that was, and um, I don't think it's what the Scripture's talking about. So that's kind of what Paul is doing here. He's, he's trying to set them straight on what it means to be spiritual. They're thinking, hey, we speak in tongues, we have prophecy, we've got words of wisdom and knowledge. We're spiritual. And Paul is saying, no, no, you're not. Because you're not loving one another. You're not, you're not seeking the good of the whole body when you come together. You're all wrapped up in self. and You're all wrapped up in personalities and abilities and even gifting... Uh, you know, gifting from the Lord, but the gifting from the Lord is not intended to cause schisms. It's it's so that everybody is blessed and so that everybody grows. So that's some sarcasm in verse 36. Or was it from you that the Word of God came? Did it originate, originate with you? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, the answer is no. Are you the only ones that has reached? Are you the only ones that have the truth? And again, like I say, that is still very common today. It's like after 2,000 years of church history, suddenly we figured it out. I mean, sometimes that's the attitude. And, uh, and it's just not the case. There have been uh, Christians uh, without, any, you know, without any break in the line there. There have been Christians ever since, ever since the Lord's uh, life and res- death and resurrection. So Paul lays down a standard here in verse 37, and this is what I really want to kind of focus in on a little bit. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, now he's, he's just spent some time here talking about prophecy and, and that this is another gift that they put a great deal of emphasis on. And Paul himself says it's the greater gift, greater than tongues because um, in the assembly because it, it, it actually uh, is intelligible and people can understand and learn from it. It's a valuable gift because it helps people grow. But again, like, we, like we've been talking about, it's, it, it must be operating in love and, and a desire for the glory of God, a desire for uh, the spiritual growth of, uh, of others. So Paul says, If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Now, Paul's laying down an absolute standard here. And by the way, I want you to notice a, a, a dip, what I think is a, a, a difference here, a distinction. When they give a, let's just say it this way, when they give a word of prophecy, when they prophesy, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, presumably, I mean, that's the, that's the idea. Paul says that their prophecy must be judged. It must be weighed. Verse 20, 28, um, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge or weigh what is said. John says in the first epistle of John, uh, prove, uh, test every spirit, rather. And we're told to prove all things and hold 
fast to that which is good, right? It must be judged, it must be weighed to see whether it's accurate, to see whether it's of God. Now this, this is something, I'm telling you, that, is, is, um, that, that we ought to just all rejoice in. <laughs> Paul, Paul is talking to about the church when he says, others must judge. So in other words, it's the church's responsibility, not some priest somewhere or some bishop somewhere or some apostle, which uh, in the sense of uh, the New Testament apostles, I don't think we have today. Um, but it's, there's not some special elite group somewhere that decides and says, you know what, this is accurate, this is of God, and this is not. And then, you, and then you've got to say, well, okay, I have to take your word for it. No, it's every Christian has the responsibility to exercise discernment. Judgment. It's an awesome thing. Paul is saying of the church, John is talking to the church, test the spirits whether they be of God or not. But here's the distinction. When Paul speaks in verse 20 and 20, uh, I'm sorry, verse 37, it is absolute. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet, notice when he's laying down these rules, these are not suggestions and he's not, not even offering them to be weighed, to be judged. Not in that sense. If anyone does not recognize, or, I'm sorry, I keep going to 38. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet, verse 37, or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Term Lord there, kurios, probably referring to Jesus. Usually in the New Testament when you see the word Lord, it's talking about Jesus. So he says, this is a command of the Lord. The things that I'm telling you, what, what I just talked to you about, I think is what he has in view, concerning the manifestations of the Spirit. Ever, ever since, you know, we've been, of course, he may have the whole first part of the epistle in view. Everything he's been saying, it certainly is a command of the Lord. But he's probably thinking of the immediate um, preceding context. So the, the manifestations of the Spirit, uh, in particular prophecy, tongues, and then what we talked about just prior to that, the order, um, the role of women in the assembly. So the, uh, the order we talked about this morning, you know, things are to be done a certain way, and, and then you've got the roles, male and female roles. Paul says, this is the command of the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it? He's, he's, not, he's not offering his, quote, prophecy to be judged. He's saying this is the way it is. This is God's Word. This is God's command. And he even goes on to say, verse 38, if anyone does not recognize this... Now, this is what he's been battling with, and this has been another uh, ongoing theme throughout the epistle. He's defending his own apostleship, his own authority. Chapter 4, he spends a great deal of time doing that. Chapter 9, he spends a great deal of time doing that. He's defending his own authority and his own apostleship. Because they, he, there's, a, there's a schism also between the church, the Corinthian congregation, and Paul. Or at least, a, uh, at least a section of it. Maybe not every person. And so he lays it down here. This is the command of the Lord. What I'm writing to you is a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Wow, that's a statement. What does that mean? 
He is not recognized. You don't recognize this, you're not recognized. Well, I think he may actually be meaning by the Lord. He's saying you're rebelling against God's command. And if you don't recognize God's command, the Lord's command, you're not recognized by the Lord. So this is an absolute. It's an absolute standard. Paul's saying everything that I've been telling you, all of the all of the uh, the guidelines or rules I've been laying out here, you know that everything must be done in love, everything must be done under edification, everything must be done in order. Tongues with, without interpretation are ruled out, and then you know, and then the order one at a time, at the most three. Same with prophets. Let the prophets speak. One, two, three at the most. The rest judge. All of these things, Paul is saying, are the command of the Lord. And this is what you must line up with. If you think you're a prophet, if you think you're spiritual, you should acknowledge these things. That's amazing. Um, on some of these very things, and you can, you can turn on the t- television and watch this for yourself. But on, on some of these very things, like I mentioned before, you know, we, we came out of a uh, uh, charismatic church years ago, charismatic movement. And these things that, many of these things that are laid out so simply here are virtually ignored. Virtually ignored. Now, sometimes people will address them and they have um, explanations that, that I don't think hold water. <laughs> hold water, but uh, they're just they're just for all practical purposes ignored. And Paul is saying these things are the command of the Lord. And here the Corinthians are the very thing they're doing is saying by what we're doing we're the ones who are spiritual. This is why Paul's coming back at them this way. They're saying because of what we're doing, because of the operation of the gifts, because we speak in tongues. And do it so much. And because we prophesy, we're the ones who are really spiritual. And Paul is saying, no. Um, n- no, actually, no. If you think you're spiritual, then you must acknowledge that the things that I'm writing to you are the command of the Lord. He's saying you must line up with, like we said this morning, God's own character. Because God's not God of confusion. Right? Um, but of peace. Verse 33. He's saying, you, you must line up with the practice of the other churches. Verse 33 again. As in all the churches of the saints. You must obey the command of the Lord. Now what I'm saying here, and I know you all know this, but I think it's good for us, for us to hear. <laughs> all of us. Um, what I'm saying here is what I think Paul is saying. That what we hold in our hands is, is the standard. This, this is the command of the Lord. This is, thus saith the Lord, that trumps everything else. And if somebody stands up and says, you know, thus saith the Lord, whatever, they go on. And what they say contradicts this. Or what they do contradicts this. There's, there's not a new revelation taking place. 
they're in error. This is the standard. So how, how do we know? Well, see, again, we have to judge by this. We, we have to know we have to know the Word, don't we? We have to get in. We have to look. And you're not going to know, obviously, everything. I told you, even this week, dealing with this, these passages, these past, not just this week, but these past few weeks, dealing with these passages that I've been looking at for over 20 years now, I'm, I'm still struggling through there trying to, you know, Lord, help me, um, you know, enable me to get this right. Because I don't want to misrepresent anything. I don't want to mislead anybody. And I don't want to say anything that's wrong. I don't want to misrepresent you. So, it's not like, okay, you're going to read it one time and say, now i got it. <laughs> now I can face anything. No, we've got to stay in the Word acknowledging that this is the command of the Lord. This is the command of the Lord. And our life and practice, our words and our practice, has to line up with this. And if there are things in here that we don't like, and there are, I promise you. <laughs> That's one of the reasons this, these passages we've been dealing with are so tough. Because there's a lot of people who don't like them. It's, you know, tongues. It's the same way with the doctrine of election. One reason that's so difficult, because a lot of people don't like it. There are things in here we don't like. So what we have to do is, is realize what Paul is saying here. This is the command of the Lord. This is the standard. And we either recognize this, Paul says, his word, his writing, the command of the Lord, or not be recognized. So what, what he's telling them is you, you've got to if you want to be truly spiritual, and I hope we all do, you know, you know, not in a, uh, you know, not not in a fake sense, not in, a, but but truly spiritual. You want to be truly spiritual. It requires submission to the Lord. Submission to the Lord. That's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. That's, that's where spirituality is. And like I said this morning, that that's going to be hand in hand with with. Or, or let me say it this way. Submission to the Lord is going to mean love for brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's going to mean a desire to edify them, to help build them up. It's going to mean order in the assembly. It's going to mean peace in the assembly. You know why we don't have peace in a lot of assemblies? It's lack of submission. It's lack of submission. It's people wanting their own voice heard. People wanting things their own way. Want to get, you know, their two cents in. It's lack of submission. It's a lack of submission to God. It's a lack of submission to His Word. It's a lack of love for one another. When there's trouble in our house, and you know, me and Leslie and, and, and Jordan now, of course I guess you could still include the others even though they're moved out, but... Well, there's because that's the household. But when there's trouble in our household, um, I think I have learned anyway now to look first at myself. Because um, usually, what's happening is is a manifestation of a lack of submission on my part to the Lord, and so it just causes trouble around me. 
I'm not taking the command of the Lord seriously. Because Jesus makes it easy. I mean, He says, look, love one another as I have loved you. says to the husband, love your wife. Paul says, as Christ loved the church. You say, well, that ain't easy. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy standard. I mean, if we do it, then it will get the results that He's looking for. It's not easy to do because we're rebellious. Because we're sinners. Because we're not in submission, complete submission to the Lord. It's the same way the other way around. I'm, you know, women have trouble submitting to their husbands. I know for various reasons, but one reason... Uh, I mean, for one thing, you may have a husband that's not submitted to the Lord. That makes it difficult. But on your part, it's because you're not submitted to the Lord. That's always where the trouble is. That's always where the trouble is. When there's trouble in the church, it's because there's somebody, maybe a group of people, that are not submitted to the command of the Lord. I made a... Uh, I don't know, we, it's been, been a while back and we were talking about marriage and I, I made a statement. I, I was talk, got the opportunity to share it with somebody else the other day. I don't, I don't know, conversation outside here. Um, but I believe this. You, when it comes to Christians, a married, married couple, when it comes to Christians, there's no such thing as incompatibility. I mean, that is something the world has, has, has just bombarded us with. Oh, well, it's, you, you got problems in your marriage. You, you're probably just incompatible. I mean, you married the wrong person. The Bible don't know any talk like that. And the reason is this, because if you do what God says, the marriage will work. If the husband does what we're supposed to do, and if the wife does what the wife is supposed to do, the marriage will work. There's no such thing as incompatibility. Now, I would say the same thing. This is the reason I brought that up. Because I would say the same thing about a church. If we follow the Lord's command, love one another as He loved us, I wonder if we, if we did that, I mean we collectively, I'm not just talking about us here, but I wonder how many church splits and, quote, new plants we would hear about. Probably be a lot less, wouldn't it? Or at least the new plants would be, <laughs> you know, for, for uh, the right reasons, and which a lot of them are anyway, but I'm just saying they'd, they'd all be for the right reasons if we were all doing what we're supposed to do. Because there wouldn't be any church splits. People would be working things out. People would be deferring to one another. They'd be looking for solutions in in the Word. They'd be saying, look, here's the first commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is likened to it. Love your neighbors yourself. So, first and foremost, we've got to love God and love one another. The rest of these things we can figure out. God will show us how to handle those if we love. That's what Paul's saying. That's what chapter 13 is about. That's what he's saying here. You, you think you're spiritual? Then acknowledge what I'm saying is the command of the Lord. Paul's saying there's, there's one real standard. It's not how good you preach. It's not you know, how well or how much you speak in tongues. It's not your, your wisdom that everybody's in awe of. It's do you follow the Word? Do you live by the Word? 
and specifically in this context, he's saying when you come together, do you seek the edification? Is that your concern? Is that your passion? Do you come to church? And that's the way we say it. Paul says here, when you come together, up in verse 26, the way we say it is, you know, go to church, come to church, whatever. When you come to church, are you actively, consciously pursuing the edification of the whole body? Are you concerned about that? Saying, wonder what, how I can help, what I can do, how I can exercise my giftings for the edification of the whole body. It's the command of the Lord, Paul says. In other words, it's God's will. This is how God works. This is how, um, how He orders things in the church. This is how He brings about peace in the church. So, he says, my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy. See what he's saying now? Now that he's... Now that he's given it to them right, well, I don't know if they straightened out their thinking or not, but at least Paul's laid it out right for them. And so now he's saying, okay, now, um, now that you know the true nature and purpose of the gifts, of the manifestations of the Spirit, then go about them right. Earnestly desire. Be zealous for prophecy. Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues but all things should be done decently and in order. So he's just saying, just do it right. Just do it right. He said, I'm not telling you to quit. Just do it right. Do it right. Right heart, right motivation. Out of love for one another. I'm going to stop there. I know there's a... Uh, any questions on anything I said today? Because I know I've, I went through quite a bit this morning. And, uh, and really, this is the end of this section. We're kind of, kind of shifting gears here. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says they're speaking, speaking it's to God. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not me trying to tell you what God told me. It's a man in the church pray, praying to God and somebody they're able to travel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, yeah. That, that's the way I understand it from the scripture. Uh, I, I guess what I, all I was going to say is, I don't know if you could rule that out 100, percent but I, but I don't know of a place where the scripture speaks of it that way. If, even in Acts two, I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, it seems like to me in Acts two, you got multiple miracles going on there. Now th- think about this for a minute. If if Peter and the other po- the apostle and the apostles, there were only uh, I know there were 120 in the upper room. There were only um, 11 apostles. But let's just say it was the whole 120. Let's just say it was the whole 120 group of 120 standing up and speaking in tongues. Um, that may or may not cover all the bases out there in the crowd because there were thousands of people out there in the crowd. Maybe it would, 120 languages, maybe less. All I'm saying is this. <laughs> Sometimes we get the idea, okay, Peter got up and preached or got up and spoke in tongues and the people out there heard them each one heard him, and I'm just singling him out, but uh, each one, it was more than him, but I'm just singling him out for a minute. Um, so he gets up and speaks in tongues, and people out there heard him in their own dialect. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's the way God did it, but you got all these, these multiple... Uh, what I'm saying is I don't think Peter sp- spoke in one language, miraculously, 
and then spoke another language, language miraculously, and then spoke another language miraculously. What I'm saying is it seems to be multiple miracles. In other words, he's speaking in a language he doesn't know, but everybody's hearing in their own language. So there's a miracle of tongues and there's a miracle of, of the ears going on there too. Um, so th- there, that is a case where God is speaking through a man using the gift, the gift of tongues, but it seems to me to be different than what Paul's talking about here. And in even other places in the Scripture like Acts 8 and Acts 19, um, you don't see that happening. So I think there's more than one miracle happening on, on uh, the day of Pentecost. Uh, let me go to Acts 19 real quick. I was trying to remember how that was worded there. <clears throat> Let's see. Okay, verse 6, when Paul had laid... Here, this is where Paul finds some believers from Ephesus um, asking them if they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, have they received the Holy Spirit? And, and they say, we, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So he baptized them... Uh, in the name of Jesus. But you go down to about verse 6. It says, When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And what I'm saying is this. On the day of Pentecost, you got all these different people from different countries, and some of them are listed there in Acts 2. And so, there's emphasis placed there on the fact that the apostles spoke, and then the people heard it in their own language. None of that is taking place here. This is just Paul and some believers from Ephesus. You don't have these language barriers. He's already speaking to them in Greek or whatever. There's no language barrier. So what are they doing speaking in tongues? See, it's, it's, and I think it's, they're speaking to God. They're, they're prophesying. They're speaking in tongues and prophesying. This is more um, what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, let's see. Huh? Is that, is that the two things going on at once? In Acts 19? Yeah, I mean, it's the speaking in tongues and the prophecy. Yeah, 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 two things going on at once there. Speaking in tongues and prophesying. But all I'm saying is there's no language barrier there to break with Paul and them. So it doesn't appear that tongues has anything to do with that. It's just they're, they're just praising God in tongues. So, so I, you know, I think what's happening in Acts 2 is different. What's happening in Acts 19, I think, is, is more in line with what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. They're, they're just praising, praising God. Um, let's see. Okay. Does that help? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Some people call... Uh, refer to tongues as a prayer language, and, and uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, if you, you see what Paul's talking about here, like I say, First uh, Corinthians fourteen two. Um, that seems to fit. So if it, so if. Paul was Paul's telling the Corinthians, so if you're going to do it in the assembly, there's got to be interpretation, or else you know people can't be blessed by it. Uh, and I said before, just as an example, I hear other people pray, you know, in English, and it blesses me. Um, 
if you got up and just, or, you know, or if we had a friend that just knew Spanish and he just gets up and starts speaking Spanish, he, he may be praying up a storm, but I'm not going to have a clue. <laughs> you understand? I, so how would, how would I say amen? That's what Paul's saying. So in, in the uh, same way with the gift of tongues, in the, in the assembly there's got to be interpretation. Prophecy, on the other hand, is just speaking plainly in, in, your, in your common language and, and sharing uh, truth about the Lord. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's easy that, for everybody to be edified by that. And we do that all the time. I mean, some, sometimes, you know, people will say, hey, I want to share what happened to me this week. And I, I don't know if that's classified as prophecy, but I'm just saying, you know, people say uh, God did this or God did that. And, uh, you know, I really saw the Lord move. And people are edified. Why? Because you can understand it all. And, you know, they're giving it to you and you're... It's, it's intelligible. Any other questions? All right. Um, <clears throat> one thing I try to do in handling this um, is... Because some, some might be wondering, well, do you think this, this still goes on today? Is, is it over? You know, was it over 2,000 years ago? Do these kinds of miraculous gifts or supernatural gifts still happen today? And all I can say is from the, again, using the Scripture as a standard. Not, not judging by experience, but judging from the Scripture, I see no reason why not. So what I've tried to do in teaching it is just leave that door open because I think that's exactly what the Scripture does. just leaves it open. All right. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we do again thank You for Your Word and thank You for the privilege of being able to come together and pray and study, sing, and pull our money together. And, uh, Lord, just thank You for opportunity to bless one another and we, uh, we pray for continued wisdom there. We want to be uplifting to, to one another and encouraging, um, want to encourage one another, edify one another. We want to reach out to those on the outside, those who don't know you, who need to hear the gospel, who need to be brought into submission to you. So we ask for your wisdom, um, asking that you provide opportunities and, and grant us words in season. For your honor and glory. Again, we thank you for this day of fellowship and pray for your wisdom and <clears throat> strength throughout the week. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.